Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and welcome to a step study. Today we are doing part two, which is unusual. We usually do steps all at once, but part two of the 11th step. And today what we're going to talk about is the actual application of the 11th step. How do we, through conscious contact with God, how do we improve that first of all, through knowledge of his will for us and the power to care that? How do we do that? What do we say? You know, do we say, uh, God, you know, I need you to um, heal my buddy's foot. You know, he busted it at work. Or do I say something like, you know, do I, do, I need you to relieve all the violence in this country or that country? Or do I pray for the safety and the well-being of other people? What is it exactly that I'm praying for? The knowledge of his will and the power to carry that? Am I praying to get? Am I praying to give? Am I praying just to understand? Am I doing all those things? You know, what am I doing? So, we started off part one with a little bit from Sam Shoemaker, and, and I wanted to start off part two with a little bit more from Sam Shoemaker. Sam Shoemaker, for those that don't know, was highly influential on the 12 steps and the spiritual elements of the AA program. The pre-AA organization called the Oxford Group was a significant part of AA's life and history. And the historians in the room can tell you more about that. Um, I don't like to get involved with that because I don't know that much of it. But what I would like to tell you is this, that Sam was important. And this 11th step would be something really brought to light by the writings and books of Sam Shoemaker. And if, um, if you're in the 12-step world of any kind, I would strongly encourage you to get his books and read them. Here we go. Sam says, one word more about the time of prayer, which he called quiet time or morning watch, that you want to start your day with prayer. Some find occasion for intercessions at noon. That would be to stop, pause, and pray in our AA program. An intercession is just a break, a break for prayer. Some find occasion for intercessions at noon. Most of us pray regularly morning and night and briefly through the day. If the reader will pardon a personal testimony, the time when the writer began to have a hitherto, or from here on, unknown power in his own life and some slight influence spiritually in the lives of others coincides exactly with the time when he changed the chief time of prayer from last thing at night to the first thing in the morning. I plead again for the keeping of the morning watch coming fresh to God with the day's plans unmade, submitting first our own spirits and then our own duties to him for the shedding of his white light upon both. To steam full speed through icebergs is irreligious. To start the day without one thought of our maker is to invite catastrophe. A very powerful thing because AA says upon waking, Upon waking, reflecting this exact idea, upon waking, we contemplate the day ahead and we get set up spiritually for it. The Stoics say, when you wake up in the morning, know you're going to be treated bad and things are going to go wrong. People are going to lie to you and take advantage of you and, and the world's just not going to do what you wanted to do. That way, when it goes like that, well, you're not surprised. You know, it's all the same idea that you walk away knowing that God is at work already. He's moving the pieces around of life already that much of your life that you require food roads cars all that stuff already in place your day is ready for you it's time for you to get ready for your day 
And in doing so, we run across this wonderful 11th step. And we will want to be able to move forward in our day using the 11th step throughout the day. You know, God save me from being angry is our motto. So the big red flag is anger. But selfishness, self-centeredness, egoism, pride, these are the roots of our troubles. These are the foundation stones, the cornerstones of our character defects. And we want to be on the lookout for them too. And through prayer meditation, we can begin to recognize them more often and get that 10th step skill in place actively in the course of the day. The spot check inventory is a type of intercession, as Sam put it. Pause, pray, ask, 11-step work in the midst of that intercession so that we can learn that fantastic skill that we have now called self-restraint. People avoid the idea of think, 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 and we want you to not avoid that idea, but think about it, think about it. God's will and the power to carry that out. So as we get started again here in the 12 and 12, in step 11, we are going to talk a little bit about how to do just that. So we're on page 98, and we didn't get very far in the first part because it's necessary to establish the importance of belief and how we come about these things in the 11th step. But on page 98, we're gonna, this is a really awesome piece of step 11. We want the good that is in us all, even in the worst of us, to flower and grow. Most certainly we shall need bracing to prepare for hard things, bracing air, a good deep breath, get ready, bracing air, prepare for the hard things and an abundance of food it means spiritual food, knowledge of God, experience. But first of all, we shall want sunlight. Nothing much can grow in the dark. Meditation is our step out into the sun. How then shall we meditate? The actual experience of meditation and prayer across the centuries is, of course, immense. The world's libraries and places of worship are a treasure trove for all seekers. It is to be hoped that every AA who has a religious connection which emphasizes meditation will return to the practice of that devotion as never before. Dive in to that religion. Dive in. But what about the rest of us who, less fortunate, not having that experience don't even know how to begin. Well, we might start like this. You guys ready? Critical. First, let's look at a really good prayer. Let's look at a really good prayer. Oh, this is going to be a good one too. Challenging, convicting. Man, I got to do that? Yeah, it's a really good prayer. We won't have far to seek. The great men and women of all religions, all religions have left us a wonderful supply here, let us consider one that is a classic. Ooh, you guys ready? Because, man, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to tell it to you. Its author was a man who for several hundred years now has been rated as a saint. Now, we are not saints, but this guy, they thought maybe he was. We won't be biased or scared off by that fact, because although he was not an alcoholic, he did, like us, go through the emotional ringer. And as he came out the other side of that painful experience, this prayer was his expression of what he could then see, feel, and wish to become. All physical senses, right? Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. Lord, higher power, creative intelligence, God, universal spirit, comforter, guide. Lord, make me a channel, the pathway of thy peace, of your peace. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace that where there is hatred, a strong feeling of dislike, people talking junk about one another, 
that I might bring love. You ready to do that? That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. Remember, we forgive others first, or we can't expect it back. That where there is discord, a lack of agreement, people don't li not living in harmony, that I might bring that harmony. That where there is error, when people make mistakes, then I might bring truth. That where there is doubt, I might bring faith. That where there is despair, that feeling of no hope, then I might bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than be comforted. God through you. God through you. Not what happens to you or for you, that's self-centeredness. God through you. God through you. To understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. Finds what? Well, God, that's what. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. We must go first. It is by dying in that old alcoholic self that one awakens to this eternal life. Amen. Amen just means I believe. I believe it. As beginners in meditation, we might now reread this prayer several times very slowly, savoring every word and trying to take in the deep meaning of each phrase and idea. It will help if we can drop all resistance to what our friend says. For in meditation, debate has no place. Hmm. We rest quietly with the thoughts of someone who knows. That'd be this guy, St. Francis of Assisi. Hmm. So that we may experience and learn. That's our sponsor sometimes too. That's our group sometimes too. That's Bill Wilson and the people that influenced the big book and these 12 steps and 12 traditions. It's the grapevine. It's other fellowships. It's religions. People that know places that know, documents that carry that message, hmm. so that we may experience this and learn. As though lying upon a sunlit beach, let us relax and breathe deeply of the spiritual atmosphere with which the grace of this prayer surrounds us. Let us become willing to partake and be strengthened and lifted up by the sheer spiritual power, beauty, and love of which these magnificent words are the carriers. Was Bill impressed? <laughs> it sounds like it. What are the instructions of day-to-day -day life? Well, if you're really lacking them or they seem confusing, convoluted, complicated, go to this prayer, the 11th step prayer, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, who is the patron saint of nature and animals. You love your dog? You got something in common with St. Francis, you love your cat, your bird, your lizard, your snake, whatever it is you got. You love the squirrels outside. You love deer. You love bears, whatever. You may even love to eat them. I don't know, but that's all something in common with St. Francis of Assisi. So don't think you're not in common with him. He's expressing the ability for you to bring God into the worst of circumstances. Our big book tells us that we can walk spiritually into the most sordid places on earth on a mission to add to another man's life, on a mission to serve the most sort of the worst places on earth we can go. So long as we're looking to add to that stream of life and not take from it. The family afterward gives us that same question. If you're restless, irritable, discontented, depressed, 
angry, and just can't get along with people. Ask yourself this question. Am I looking at what I'm getting out of the situation or am I looking at what I can add to it? That's the test. Whew. Let us look now upon the sea and ponder what its mystery is and let us lift our eyes to the far horizon beyond which we shall seek all those wonders still unseen. Shucks, says somebody. This is nonsense. It isn't practical. I love this. Here we go. We're going to transition. When such thoughts break in, we might recall a little ruefully, like we don't like it, a little ruefully, how much store we used to set, how much store we used to set by imagination, how we used to frame up our lives in disillusionment as it tried to create a reality out of the bottles, how much ways that we just wrecked ourselves with this. Yes, we reveled in that sort of thinking, didn't we? Yeah, because drinking helps me drive better. I drive better when I'm drunk, right? Uh, I knew a guy that used to say that, you know, drinking four beers a day is better than drinking a glass of milk. Better for you. <laughs> he believed it too. Wasn't an alcoholic, but he believed it. I used to say that 80 proof liquor was gift liquor. That's stuff you give away to people. You, I mean, you can't drink enough of it to actually get drunk, right? So you give that away and it's got to be 100 proof or better. You don't want to bother with it. These are the things that we believe, right? We used to set by imagination as it tried to create reality out of bottles. Yes, we reveled in that sort of thinking, didn't we? And those sober nowadays, don't we often try to do much the same thing? Have you worked the steps? Do you have a sponsor? Are you sponsoring other people? Are you serving your meeting? When you meet someone in the community that needs help, do you immediately think, man, I don't want to do it? Or do you dive right in and get it? Do you see these chances of being helpful as opportunities? Do you see difficult times as a chance to practice these spiritual tools and not avoid them? Do you love using the term healthy boundaries to reject and show apathy and complacency against other people's problems? Do you use those things? Because you may be doing that. That is our imagination. There's certainly a place for healthy boundaries. And there's times that you can't be helpful to other people, of course. Of course, that's true. It's are you using these things to preserve yourself, that self-centered nature, that selfish nature? That's the question I'm putting to you. Hmm. Perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps the real trouble was our almost total inability, critical point, total inability to point imagination toward the right objectives. Well, that's easy enough. There's nothing the matter with constructive imagination. All sound achievement rests upon it. Of course it does. Inventions are constructive imagination. You imagine the invention first. After all, no man can build a house until he first envisions a plan for it. Well, meditation is like that too. It helps to envision our spiritual objective before we try to move toward it. So you just picture it in your mind, right? That's it. So let's get back to that sunlit beach or to the plains or to the mountains if you prefer. When, by such simple devices, we have placed ourselves in a mood, a state of mind. So we, we use prayer and meditation to change our sack of chemicals, right? To change our mental states that we, and they're just calling it a mood here, place ourselves in a mood in which we can focus undisturbed hmm, on constructive imagination. We might proceed like this. Once more, we read our prayer and again, try to see what is its inner essence. What is the nature of that prayer? What is it really asking me to do? We'll think about the man who first uttered the prayer. 
First of all, he wanted to become a channel, a method used to send something, right? Some channel. Then he asked for the grace, the help from God. Grace, help from God to bring love, forgiveness, harmony, truth, faith, hope, light, and the joy to every human being he could. Hmm. You know, we learned that we got to get along with absolutely everyone. Absolutely everyone. And this prayer might well be your answer to how to do that. I don't know how to get along with this other person. They're this and that and the other thing. What can you do to add to their life? And it can be simple. A lot of people are difficult and they're desperate. They might be addicts or alcoholics, right? And just dropping a text, sending a message. When you see them, just, you don't have to address anything. Just say, hey, when you're ready, or I'm always here to help. You know, if there's something you'd like to talk about, I'd be glad to talk to you. Maybe that's it. But there can be a lot wrapped up in that simple act. Next came the expression of an aspiration and hope for himself. He hoped, God willing, that he might be able to find some of these treasures too. This he would try to do by what he called self-forgetting. What did he mean by self-forgetting? And how did he propose to accomplish it? He thought it better to give comfort than receive it. Better to understand than to be understood. Better to forgive and be forgiven. Better to do for others than exclusively for himself. Make other people more important to you and you'll get all those things you're after. You'll become more important to other people. That's what he did. This much could be a fragment of what is called meditation. Perhaps our very first attempt at a mood, our attempt at a mood, meaning that, you know, I'm looking for a mood when I pick up a bottle of liquor, right? That sense of comfort, that sense of camaraderie, that feeling of ease. We can get it doing these things. We can get it through meditation. Perhaps our very first attempt at a mood, a flyer into the realm of spirit if you like, hmm. it ought to be followed by a good look at where we stand now and a further look at what might happen in our lives were we able to move closer to the ideal we have been trying to glimpse, to just briefly see. Meditation is something which can always be further developed. It has no boundaries, either of width or height, because it's not of the physical world. Aided by such instruction and example, we can find it is essentially an individual adventure, something which each one of us works out in his own way, but its object is always the same. All right, that's that building, right? That's that God idea again, that the God is God, the God that got your friends sober, that you believe they believe in God, it's that God. And the God of the room is the same God. And a vision for you, it says, now that we're joined together under one God but our experience of this God and the way we approach the God and how we see the God and how it manifests in our lives, that will be different. That will be an individual adventure and we will describe it different ways, but it's not my God or your God as if they're two different things. It is just the God, one God and how we approach it. So important. This will work much, much better if you can wrap your head around that idea that we're joined together under this higher power, that we're joined together with the same comforter, the same guide, with the same promises after the ninth step, right? The same promises for all of us come from that same source of good that we can all get after. It's so important, but each one of us are on an individual adventure, something which each one of us works out in his own way, but its object is always the same. Here it is, to improve our conscious awareness, contact with God, that we're aware of our contact, with his grace, wisdom, and love to 
improve our conscious contact with God, to improve our conscious contact with His grace, to improve our conscious contact with His wisdom, knowledge gained by experience, love and intelligence blended together, wisdom, and to improve our conscious contact with His love. And let's always remember that meditation is in reality intensely practical. One of its first fruits is emotional balance. That's your chemicals, right? That's your chemicals, your sack of chemicals. With it, we can broaden and deepen the channel between ourselves and God as we understand Him. Now, what of prayer? Prayer is the raising of the heart and mind to God, and in this sense, it includes meditation. So meditation and prayer are together. How may we go about it? And how does it fit in with meditation? Prayer, as commonly understood, is a petition to God. Having opened our channel as best we can, we try to ask for those right things of which we and others are in the greatest need. And we think that the whole range of our needs is well-defined by that part of step 11, which says, knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Let's read that again. And we think, we being those people that have successfully done the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and found the promises to be true and are living sober lives, that's the we. That could be you. That might be what you're after. It's what I'm after. That's the we. And we think that the whole range of our needs, all our needs, whatever it is, however you define it, wherever it comes from, no matter what type of need it might be, The whole range of our needs is well-defined by that part of step 11, which says, knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. A request for this fits in any part of our day, any part. There's nothing going on where that's not what you're after. Thy will be done, not mine, should be followed by, so what do you want me to do? I want to be the me that God wants me to be. I want to be the me that God wants me to be. In the morning, we think of the hours to come. Perhaps we think of our day's work and the chances it may afford us to be useful and helpful or of some special problem that it may bring. Possibly today, we'll see a continuation of a serious and yet unresolved problem left over from yesterday. Our immediate temptation will be to ask for specific solutions to specific problems and for the ability to help other people as we have already thought they should be helped. In that case, we're asking for God to do it our way. You know, the religions often teach this. You'll hear that in religion, right? Specificity of prayer is important to get what you want. And we've already talked in here about imagining things in a particular way that's spiritual, and then that constructive imagination is of significant benefit. So what is this? You know, where is, it, where is he going with this? Let's check it out. Therefore, we ought to consider each request carefully to see what its real merit is. What is its good qualities, merit? Even so, when making such specific requests, it will be well to add to each one of them this qualification. This is it. If it be thy will, if it be thy will, We ask simply that throughout the day, God place us in the best understanding of his will that we can have for that day and that we be given the grace by which we may carry it out. How do I place myself to be of maximum service to God and my fellow man? As the day goes on, we can pause where situations must be met and decisions made and renew 
to make it new again, the simple request, thy will, not mine, be done. If at these points our emotional disturbance happens to be great, we will more surely keep our balance, provided we remember and repeat to ourselves a particular prayer or phrase that has appealed to us in our reading or meditation. Just saying it over and over will often enable us to clear a channel choked up with anger, fear, frustration, or misunderstanding and permit us, give us the ability, the power to carry out and permit us to return to the surest help of all, our search for God's will, not our own. In the moment of stress, in the moment of stress, critical thing here, at these critical moments, if we remind ourselves that it is better to comfort than be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, to be able to listen as opposed to state things, to ask questions as opposed to force answers on people, to be patient and allow people to find their own way, to be aggressive in your help when people are in critical danger. Can you do it? Are you doing that? Have you wondered about your spiritual life? It seems dull. You know, you just don't feel that conscious contact anymore. Perhaps this is your answer. Whew. We will be following the intent of step 11 if we do those things. Of course, it is reasonable and understandable that the question is often asked, why can't we take a specific and troubling dilemma straight to God and in prayer secure from him sure and definite answers to our requests? Well, this can be done, but it is hazardous. We have seen AAs ask with much earnestness and faith for God's explicit guidance on matters ranging all the way from a shattering domestic or financial crisis to correcting a minor personal fault, like tardiness. Quite often, however, the thoughts that seem to come from God are not answers at all. They prove to be well-intentioned, unconscious rationalizations. Yep. So step five and six talk about seeking outside counsel, that we definitely want to run things by other people, that all spiritual giants of history recommend that you seek outside counsel, that believing these things leads to all sorts of absurd things, right? That stepping out on faith can mean that you're going to seek outside counsel, pray for knowledge of God's will, and follow in a different set of directions, or it can mean that you sat in silence and you heard yourself rationalize with lies of logic and move towards something that you have no experience, no help, no projected path of success. And just fail. And then you're going to turn around and blame God for it, right? I stepped out on faith and it didn't work. So, you know, it's God's will. That's, that's what God wanted. Or maybe you just did something that he said with, earlier in this was stupid. Maybe that was the case. Maybe it was just stupid because the instructions aren't that. They are too. Seek outside counsel. Address your character defects. Have yourself positioned well. Then thy will be done, not mine. What is your will? What is your will, God? And then work to bring it into the world, to stay in service to other people, not praying to get, but praying to give, to give understanding, to give hope, to give love, to give kindness, to do these things in that way. How do I bring that in? How do I overcome this sinister self, this thing called me? How do I overcome that and become the channel upon which God can use to come into somebody else's life? Hmm. The AA, or indeed any man who tries to run his life rigidly by this kind of prayer, by this self-serving demand of God for replies, 
is a particularly disconcerting, meaning causing worry. They, they are reasons to worry individual. To any questioning or criticism of his actions, he instantly proffers or offers to someone his reliance upon prayer for guidance in all matters, great or small. I get my messages from God. I got this little plug and I just plug on into God. And God says it directly to me and I am not open to anything else. Isn't it, could there be anything, anything less spiritual than absolute closed-mindedness based on thoughts? I, I don't think so. So he goes on. He may have forgotten the possibility that his own wishful thinking and the human tendency to rationalize have distorted this so-called guidance. Hmm. Purposeful forgetting, remember that term? With the best of intentions, he tends to force his own will into all sorts of situations and problems with the comfortable assurance that he is acting under God's specific direction. Under such an illusion, a lie that we tell ourselves, a false thing that seems real, an illusion, he can, of course, create great havoc without in the least intending it. We also fall into another similar temptation. We form ideas as to what we think God's will is for other people. Yeah, we say to ourselves, this one ought to be cured of his fatal malady, or that one ought to be relieved of his emotional pain. And we pray for these specific things. Such prayers, of course, are fundamentally good acts, but often they are based upon a supposition that we know God's, and a supposition is an assumption, it just, that we know God's will, that, oh, but obviously the, the, what I have is what will make them happy, right? They got to be more like me. They should live like I want to live. That homeless person is homeless. They should live in a subdivision house and have a mortgage and cars and a million bills and credit cards and lawn maintenance to keep up with and be redecorating every five years. And I just don't understand why they live out behind the Walmart. I don't get it. And then you go talk to that homeless person. He's like, no, I'm not homeless. This is my home. I live outside. And he's fine with it. I do that myself. And it's true. That's what you'll hear. He's fine with it. He's not homeless. He's got a bigger house than any of us. Yeah, he's got a bigger bathroom than any of us. Think about that. You know, he's got all the freedom, none of the burdens, no financial burdens, no financing, no mortgage, no none of that. Yeah, he's got to put up with some other burdens. He just exchanged them for other things but he doesn't think of himself as homeless. Hmm. Such prayers are, of course, are fundamentally good acts, but often they are based upon a supposition, an assumption that we know God's will for that person for whom we pray. This means that side by side with an earnest prayer, there can be a certain amount of presumption, a belief that thing is true, and conceit, which is pride, in us. It is AA's experience that particularly in these cases, we ought to pray that God's will, whatever it is, be done for others as well as for ourselves. In AA, we have found that the actual good results of prayer are beyond question. They are matters of knowledge and experience. All those, and knowledge and experience, Bill uses it to supplement the word practice. So in different places, he, he talks about practice. In other places, he says, the result of practice is knowledge and experience. So through practice of this, you can't question what's going on in AA. You can't question what's going on in my life so long as I maintain this spiritual health. Hmm. All those who have persisted and found strength, not ordinarily their own. They have found wisdom beyond their usual capability, and they have increasingly found a peace of mind, serenity, which can stand firm in the face of difficult circumstances. So true of me. We discover that we do receive guidance for our lives to just about the extent that we stop making demands upon God to give it to us on order, on our terms. 
Almost any experienced AA will tell how his affairs have taken remarkable and unexpected turns for the better as he tried to improve his conscious contact with God. He will also report that out of every season of grief for suffering, our word, suffering, move without resistance, when the hand of God seemed heavy or even unjust, new lessons for living were learned, new resources of courage were uncovered, and that finally, inescapably, the conviction came that God does move in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. All this should be very encouraging news for those who recoil from prayer because they don't believe in it or because they feel themselves cut off from God's help and direction. Some of us feel that way because we've done bad things in our life, right? We just think that. All of us, without exception, pass through times when we can pray only with the greatest exertion of will. Occasionally, we go even further than this. We are seized with a rebellion so sickening that we simply won't pray. I'm not going to do it. When these things happen, we should not think too ill of ourselves. We should simply resume prayer as soon as we can, doing what we know to be good for us. Perhaps one of the greatest rewards of meditation and prayer is the sense of belonging that comes to us. We no longer live in a completely hostile world. We are no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. The moment we catch even a glimpse of God's will, the moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love as the real and eternal things in life, we are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. We know that God lovingly watches over us. We know that when we turn to him, all will be well with us here and hereafter. So that's a long read. That's the majority of the step, but it really was divided up in that way. So here we go. Your discussion, or if you want to think about this as you drive along in your car, you want something to talk with your sponsor about is this. How do you really vigorously practice step 11? How do you move yourself to the habit of prayer? What are we going to do in AA to build and improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him? How do we do that? What was some experience. You've been around AA for a while. It would be great for you to go to a meeting today or if you're in one to share that very thing. I've got a ton of it. I've heard so many profound, profound spiritual experiences. I have them myself. So let's talk about that. How is this practice of step 11? How is seeking God's will and carrying it out? How is thy will be done, not mine, been profound for you? How do you move to a peaceful state through prayer and meditation during difficult circumstances? I hope you guys have a great discussion.